He will be in John chapter 1. As we think about all who Jesus is and all he came to bring us when he came to this earth. Over the next four weeks, we'll journey through John chapter 1, and each week we'll look at a verse. And so this morning, I want to read John 1, 1 through 18 for us, or 14 rather, and I'll read that together. If you have a Bible, you can turn to John 1. I'm going to read from John chapter 1, 1 through 14. It's a very popular text at this time, and then I'll pray for us, and I'll pray as well that God would continue to use a story like Carrie's and all of ours for his glory. This is what the word of the Lord says. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and to his own people, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I invite you to just pray and ask God to speak maybe as he has already spoken through his word and testimony of God's goodness that he would speak and that we would just pray for Jesus to be exalted in our lives. I'll pray for all of us together. Father, we thank you for this special season that is amongst, that we are in the midst of, rather. And Father, we celebrate every year the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the coming of you in man's form to this earth. Father, Jesus Christ himself, God in the flesh. And Father, that has grand implications for us, and I pray that we would know today the true life that he brings. I praise you that you are doing a great work in many. Father, you know She's dear to my heart, but of course I praise you for what you're doing in my wife's life and in our lives together. It's a daily struggle to trust you and your goodness and to live in the life that you've called us to. And Father, that is different for everyone. And so I pray that you'd bless her, especially today, that you would heal Josiah's body once again and that you'd give him peace, that you'd give her rest. Thank you that she is so faithful to you in the midst of heartaches. And Father, I pray as she's been an example to me in that, that she could be an example to all of us about the goodness of Christ. May we look to him now and we thank you for your word and its truth. And we pray all of these things in the wonderful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. I cried on Wednesday too, just so you know. 
So this is a season, Christmas, when the church celebrates Christ's coming to earth, the incarnation as we call it. And, and what exactly is the incarnation? I think we have to look at a definition as we dive into this series and this from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. It says it this way, it, the incarnation, is the act whereby the eternal Son of God, the second person in the Trinity, without ceasing to be what he is, God the Son, took into union with himself what he before that act did not possess, human nature. And so he was and continues to be God and man in two distinct natures and one person forever. Jesus took on flesh. That's what we celebrate. No matter what you believe, that is what this season is about. Jesus coming to this earth, taking on flesh. God himself coming into our space as it was. His space created, but as our space is from our perspective. And he comes in. That's what John's gospel describes in his opening chapter. That's what we just read about. And over the course of the next several weeks of Advent, we'll look at who Jesus is and continues to be to us and for us. And this morning, if you caught that, we will look at Jesus being life. And we looked at John 1, 4 specifically. This will be kind of our theme verse for this week. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life. Each week, I, in addition to the sermon, want to just have a gift opened up as an illustration or a a representation of what we're talking about this morning. So this morning, Anna, I invited the lovely Anna. Can you come up here this morning? I thought it would be fun if kids got to unwrap a gift each week for us. Anna, why don't you come over here? Any guesses to what it might be? You have no idea. Why don't you go ahead and unwrap that? You can sit if you want to. Unfortunately, the bad part about this is you don't get to keep it. That's very bad. What is it? Do you know what it is? Thank you. Can you show everybody? The game of life. Can I have that back? Can you, you, I'll give you this. Can you take that with you? Thank you, Anna. The game of life. Most of you, if you know this game, you know what it entails. You get to, you get to pick a little little person and a little car and you get to journey through life and you get to pick whether you're going to just go to college or whether you're going to just go right into the career and then you get a card where you get married or maybe you don't get married but I think in this game you have to get married and then you have kids and sometimes you have twins and sometimes you just have one and you get to journey through and then you might do more school and then you you hit some bumps along the road, and you might get some rewards for some different things along the road. But the aim, the goal at the end of this game, if you know, is to what? Retire with a bunch of money and shady acres, right? That's the goal. You want to save up. You want to collect these little life cards. And, and you know the strategy if you're a board game player. You want to make sure you're playing the game right, whether you're, you're saving up this way and whether you chose the education that way. And you can trade career cards and salaries. And you can decide whether you're going to buy the fancy house or the little log cabin for 40 grand or whatever it is. But the end goal is that when you get to the end in retirement, whoever has the most resource by these lifetiles and dollars is the winner. 
If you ever play with my dad, he's always the winner, even though he loses, he's still somehow the winner. But anyways, that was a little side note, memory, flashback, traumatic thing from my childhood. But anyways, that's the goal. And I think this game demonstrates a very earthly perspective of life. It's what you and I, if we're honest, sometimes fixate on. If we could just navigate and have successes along the way, and we can endure those hiccups like that, that new car that I have to replace or, or that flood that happened to my home. That's why you buy homeowner's insurance in this game, by the way. And all of those things, if I could just have more of those and less of the bad things, by the time I get there, I can retire and do it comfortably. And as I thought about that, that just reminded me of what an earthly perspective this game offers us. And if we're being honest as Christians, we get soaked into that too. We work hard for a season and, and we, we save up and we expect and it's, it's often, and those aren't bad things, so I don't want anybody to misunderstand that, but we often have a very narrow earthly perspective, which asks this question really of, that I would ask of us today. Would you rather enjoy a future with life on earth, my focus, or enjoy life on earth with the coming future as my focus? It begs a really good question. Would I rather enjoy a future? And that's what a lot of believers do. They secure heaven for themselves. They, they say, I've got that gospel thing packed up. I, I am guaranteed heaven, which you are if you place your faith in Christ. But then we live on earth. And, and do I want to enjoy the, the prospect of heaven with this life being my focus? What even Carrie described is just a blip. Or would I rather enjoy the life that God has given us on earth with all the gifts and blessings with the coming future as my focus. All the blessings of the kingdom coming into sight and all of them being able to be lived in in many ways in reality and life in the kingdom now when Jesus Christ comes to this earth and offers himself as salvation that we would place our faith in him, we have the ability to be born anew and again and walk in the newness of life. Jesus came to bring life. Now people want to know in the world, especially those that are searching and seeking, those that don't even believe in God. They want to know what the point of life is in all existence. And this, I'm sure most of us have at one point wondered in our life, what is the meaning of life? And the eventual goal that we know about science is to provide, and scientists will do this in our culture, a theory that describes the whole universe from the theological perspective. The theory is not even a theory. It's a person, Jesus Christ. Verse 4 tells us, Jesus is life. In him was life, and life was the light of all men. We'll talk about light next week. And John uses the Greek word zoe here as life. And he's not speaking about earthly life. He's not speaking about this game of life. He's speaking about spiritual life and eternal life. And Jesus himself coming from that and offering that to us, full of life. You see, Jesus came as life to give his life so that you could walk in the newness of life. Jesus is full of life. This is crazy to wonder about. And friends, think about this. God is life. He is alive. He is a living person. Not a human person, but a divine person. Alive. Doing something like thinking and feeling for all eternity. 
as far back as you can go in eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever, there is one changeless reality, life, divine personal life, ultimate reality, absolute reality, original reality is alive. In him was life. Verses one through three tells us that. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, always and forever was. You and I only have a human start and beginning, so that's all we can even comprehend. But Jesus, God himself, was always in existence. You see, in our culture, we have understood, and this is our human finite minds, that physical matter did not give rise to life. Life gave rise to matter. Or we have to understand that once there was only life and no matter, that personal life created matter, and there was both then life and matter. Here's the great division between the atheistic worldview and the Christian biblical worldview. For the atheist, everything begins with intimate matter and energy, inanimate rather. It's just there. Since there was nothing that was before it, nothing could have been, it could have been life. But atheists choose to believe that in the beginning was matter and energy. They don't know. They guess. They say that impersonal matter and impersonal energy are original. They're absolute. They're ultimate. Then, for billions of years, and this is what you learn in scientist textbooks, with no creator, no intelligence, no design, no purpose, no plan, then emerges from mindless, lifeless, random matter and energy, not only irreducible complexities of biological structures, but also this glorious thing called living personhood. That's how they come up with it. It's absurd that from completely nothing, just look at your hand and its structures and the way that you're sitting there and thinking about all the stuff you think, that that came from nothing. Friends, there are no ordinary humans. For Christians, it's the other way around. First, there is life. And then there is physical matter and energy. First, there was living personhood. And then there was matter and energy. In the beginning was the word, and in him was life. We on this earth, again, only understand starts and finishes. You can go back to a, our birth or the birth of another and just start them there, but we don't understand anything way past in eternity. Jesus Christ had no beginning, and this ought to blow our mind. We ought to worship at this truth. And wherever you turn on this planet and see a living person, you see the image. Think about that of this absolute reality, ultimate reality, original reality, the word being God and was, being, was God and with God. And you have never then met an ordinary being. There are none. They're extraordinary. They're all amazing because they are all brought forth in the living image of the living God. Think about that. This is Genesis 2-7 stuff. That God breathed life, then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature, that is God himself, Jesus being life, present in creation we know, breathing life into all humanity. But we know, right, there's a problem because of the fall. All of these loving, or all these living rather, wonderful loving image bearers are fallen and stained with sin stained with death. That's the thing about us on this earth as living creatures. We are all going to die. And even further, I would say, we are all born that way. Dead. Spiritually dead. That's the spiritual life that John was talking about. That we should focus on this season. 
Which is why everything we have said is not John's main point when he writes in verse 4, in him was life. The life John had mainly in view was that spiritual saving life, the gift that Jesus was coming to bring an eternal life to humanity. The opposite of spiritual death now and final condemnation later. That's what John is driving at as he introduces. It's not just a great chapter to read at Christmas time, although it is a great theological chapter. What John's aim is, and he's about to unpack in the, the folds of chapters of Scripture, and even John himself wrote, I could not write enough books of what Jesus did on earth. He's about to unfold all that he is and all that he did in a very brief, condensed way. And what he is wanting to articulate is whether we understand the spiritual life that Jesus came to bring. John 5, 26, and I'm just going to read this passage. I'll let you look at this verse. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has also granted the Son also to have life in himself. This is what John writes a couple chapters later, starting in verse 25, so you can understand the context of that. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so has, the, has he granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, and those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like shady acres at all. That's the game that you and I often focus on, but Jesus comes, comes to earth and talks about a completely different thing. He says, here's what the end looks like. The Son of Man is coming back to judge, and, and those who have believed in him will be resurrected to new life. In fact, he has reborn them already in their body and their spirit on earth. And he says, those who have not will be cast out in judgment. He said, that's the eternal perspective. That we need to move from death to life, and we need the gift of life. You see, Jesus came as life to give his life so that you could walk in the newness of life. Just listen to this brief summary, and I'm just going to do a flyover in the book of John of what he has said about himself concerning life. This from John 4.14, we know this story about Jesus encountering the woman at the well. He says, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He says the next thing that we see there in John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said to him, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. John eleven twenty five. 25, when Lazarus had died, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. John 14, 6, we have it on the atrium wall there by the cross. Popular verse here that all of us need to know. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 15, 5. I am the vine, the source of all life, right? You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And John 20, 31, at the end of the book, John writes this. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. 
life in his name. Friends, Jesus came at this time we celebrate, not so families could gather around a Christmas tree and open gifts like this. He came so that you could have life, new life. He didn't just come so you could have an eternity in paradise, that it was somehow the goal of just earning heaven in some way. He came so that you could be reborn from dead, a dead, spiritually dead, fallen image bearer into a new creation. That's why Jesus came. And to walk in that newness of life, to see the kingdom of God coming. That's what Jesus was all about when he came. The kingdom of God is at hand. And people were coming to him by faith and getting redeemed. The spirit of God was coming into them and they were born anew, a new creation with eternal perspective. We know how he did this, right? We celebrate it every week. We're going to celebrate it at the table today. He came as life and laid down his life even to death on a cross and a sinner's cross at that. That's the human part you see that had to happen. He had to be fully human to atone for our sin, for your sin, for my sin against God himself. That's the sin that made the image fallen. That's the sin that separated. And that's the sin that Jesus paid for by going to the cross and shedding his blood, taking our place so that you and I wouldn't have to experience the punishment of that sin, eternal death, but to have Zoe life, eternal life, new life. And friends, not just new life, life to the full. That's what Jesus says at the end of chapter 15 in that section. I've come that you might have joy, and not a little bit of joy, and not just a little bit each morning, but joy to the fullest possibility. Friends, Jesus came as life to give his life so that you could walk in the newness of life. So what does that mean for us then? What does that mean for us this season? Friends, think about what God has done for us. Think about what God has done for you. He didn't do this so you could ride out 70 or 80 years on earth or less, depending on when God calls you home. He gave us the ability to walk every day in this new life in creation to remind us this earth is not our home. It's not our focus. As I listened to Carrie on Wednesday and I listened again, and I, I told her this when I got home, I said, I think you're pretty good with your words, probably better than me. I'm just in awe that anyone could have that kind of perspective that although the pain and the struggle is real in life, what I love most about her, many things, but it's that she sees beyond this life. And she sees with eternal perspective. And that change of perspective Right perspective makes all, even of this weekend, the chaos and consumerism of this last weekend seem just silly and unimportant. It makes all the problems of life come down a few notches, or many notches, in fact. The challenge for us this season is to celebrate Jesus and the life that he is. Not the life that we have, but the life that he is and comes to bring. The board game isn't it. And maybe you've been playing that and focusing on that all too long. Maybe you've been storing up for shady acres when God would rather have you invest in his kingdom. And again, friends, I'm not saying that that isn't wise planning. I'm just saying, is that your motive for earthly living? Is that your goal 
to retire there and to enjoy the bounty of God's blessings without all the impact and investment of the kingdom that you could make. That's the one that lasts forever. That's the one that when you stand before God and he asks, what did you do with my son? Who is my son? And hopefully you're able to say, he's Lord and Savior. I place my faith in him. And he looks back at you and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Those are the words that you're not going to find in this board game. Those are the words that I hope and pray that you would all desire to hear. And so I ask, where are you at with this today? What's your goal? To enjoy a future with life on earth, your focus? Or to enjoy life on earth with the coming future as your focus? Friends, I want the coming future to be our focus. We have a short time here. And we can be used mightily for God's kingdom work here until that day. But that's the game. That's the end goal, is pleasing God and him saying to us, well done, good and faithful servant. You didn't play the game of life so that you could retire at Shady Acres and be comfortable. You lived with fullness in my kingdom. Going out as disciples to share the truth of the gospel And friends, if you do not know Jesus today, all you need to do is trust in him. All you need to do is step out of life in this game and say, you know what, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to place my faith in Jesus Christ alone. I want to look to him as Lord and Savior. I want to trust him. And that's all you can do. You'll never collect enough good works. You'll never outweigh enough good things from bad to make it work. The only thing that you can do, and that's why it's grace, and that's why it's God's mercy and this gift is that you can look to God and say, I trust you, that you're the real deal, that Jesus came to die for your sin, took your place so that you could have new life. And friends, when you look on Jesus in that way and trade all the desires of your heart for all that he desires, he redeems your soul, he secures your salvation, and he gives you a rebirth in your perspective. And friends, all of us that know, because we have the Spirit who are saved, We know what this is like. It changes our perspective radically on this life, and God can do that for you today. If you don't know Jesus, you need to know him today. If you know him, you need to keep your eyes on him and keep trusting him. I want to pray for you, especially if you have never received Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want to pray, and I'll pray for all of us as we transition our time to celebrate what Jesus has done in his death, burial, and resurrection as we take the Lord's Supper together. And I'll speak about that in a moment. Let's pray. Um, I want to leave you with this from God's word in Romans 6. In speaking about baptism and being uh, born again from our, our deadness, being spiritually awakened, it says, We are buried, therefore, with him, Jesus, by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We have hope. Have a blessed day. Go in peace. You are sent.